Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. Welcome to 2022, everybody, even if I say the sports calendar doesn't reset till after the Super Bowl. It's a new year, and BetOnline remains the number one spot for all the best wagering action in the new year. You can sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using the promo code BLEAVE. B-L-E-A-V, when you sign up with the link in the description to this episode. Bet online, where the game starts. Good morning. Good afternoon or good night. However, and whenever it is you may be listening, thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of the Take It Easy Podcast Live. On the Believe Podcast Network, except it isn't live because it's a podcast. Welcome in, everybody. It is February 2nd, according to my count. May not be that according to your count, but we appreciate you stopping in, however and whenever it is that you may be here. Happy Groundhog Day, everybody. I know we did the Groundhog Day celebration yesterday. It is indeed Groundhog Day. Happy Groundhog Day. One of my favorite holidays. Well, I was going to play the Jimmy G song at some point here today, but if you want to listen to that, check out yesterday's episode because we had earth-shattering news with Brian Flores yesterday. I want to get right into this conversation here today on the podcast because there are so many fascinating layers to unpack. There's a story about race and labor and class, and how sports reflect society. This is such a fascinating story. On the heels of what happened with Colin Kaepernick back in 2016, and one of the things we talked about in the aftermath was Colin Kaepernick ended up breaking down the wall so that everyone else could then break it down a little more as it went along. And Colin Kaepernick was trying to take down a gigantic machine the same way that it seems Brian Flores is trying to attack, and usually it ends up losing when you try and try try to fight the machine, try and fight the establishment in the white power America of the last 260 some odd years of America. Fighting the white power system usually ends up failing and you end up getting swallowed by the machine as well. But Brian Flores is at least willing to put his coaching career on the line in an effort to pursue change the same way Colin Kaepernick intentionally or unintentionally put his career on the line when he became the voice for uh, police brutality and racial injustice in America, we see Brian Flores take that step by filing the lawsuit against the NFL. And the lawsuit is really fascinating from a bunch of different points. It's 58 pages. I really encourage you to read through it. I read through about 20 of the pages or so to prepare for this. And there's a lot of fascinating elements here But the part I wanted to start off here before we go into Bill Belichick uh, sending texts 
to Brian Flores instead of Brian Dayball three days before the hire was announced and two days before his interview with the New York Giants using, you know, clearly Brian Flores was on the list of list of minority candidates to oblige by the Rooney rule, check a box, and then hire the white guy that the white guy wanted to hire in the first place. White guys hiring white guys. That is how white power perpetuates itself in a league that it, or really in a job market that has really, really high demand f- and pays very well because of the compensation that the teams make, but has really high demand for people to want to enter the market. It is a closed market in the NFL. You can usually only get in if the power brokers in the sport enable you to, which is often white coaches and sons of former coaches for the most part, getting entry-level positions in the NFL, or in the case of Arthur Smith, his dad owns a significant portion of the Washington football team. And so that's the entry-level position that leads to a large pool of white candidates, white candidates getting retread over and over, and the NFL having worse diversity hires in 2021 than they did in 1990 and 2003 when the Rooney Rule was implemented. But the thing I wanted to talk about first is Brian Flores. Before we talk about the cause of Brian Flores and what Brian Flores is sacrificing here, I want to talk about him and his decision to file the lawsuit against the NFL because in his statement, Brian Flores, who had remained quiet through a smear campaign by the Miami Dolphins, talking about how, you know, with massive racial undertones, Brian Flores was angry black man, didn't get along well with people in the organization, and he got fired after he could not have done anything better. Simply could not have done any better with the Miami Dolphins. And now we're finding out Stephen Ross actually was paying him, or willing to pay him, $100,000 per loss during that 2019 season, they tried to tank for Joe Burrow, and then in the draft process, tried to trade up and get Joe Burrow. And so, the since the uh, the Miami Dolphins are the team that ends up having a fight between Ross and Flores that carries out in the public. Flores remains quiet through all of this, and then drops the bombshell that he had been, you know, crafting and preparing for about a week that he had decided he was willing to put his coaching career on the line for a greater cause because now Brian Flores, if this lawsuit does go to court and they have a legal ground to stand on, and maybe even if it doesn't because we've already seen the public relations hit the NFL is about to take as long as people are willing to make this longer than a one-day story, which I assume it will, but as long as people are willing to not ignore this for weeks on end, um, we, we will see Brian Flores become a figurehead similar to how Colin Kaepernick was a figurehead. F- I mean, it's, you know, different causes, different forms of protest, and different levels of public relations coverage outside of the NFL. But the thing that I was talking about before getting to this is Brian Flores' statement, which is this, quote, God has gifted me with a special talent to coach the game of football, but the need for change is bigger than my personal goals. In making the decision to file the class action complaint, I understand that I may be risking coaching the game I love and has done so much for my family and me. My sincere hope is that by standing up against systemic racism in the NFL, others will join me to ensure that positive change is made for generations to come. Brian Flores is making an incredibly powerful move. And when Brian Flores says 
that he hopes other people will stand. Uh, he said, my sincere hope is that by standing up against systemic racism, others will join me to ensure positive change is made for generations to come. This is pointing the finger directly at white people. Now, Brian Flores also can mean in this that he's hoping other coaches will join him in the lawsuit because the way the class action lawsuit works is that they have to identify minority coaches in the NFL, minority general manager positions, more specifically black and Afro-Latino, which is what Brian Flores is. Brian Flores is Afro-Latino, black Afro-Latino coaching candidates, general manager candidates, and potentially owner candidates, even though that there aren't very many in that talent pool because the NFL in currently in 32 teams has two non-white owners in the entire history of the NFL they have had two non-white owners and the only women in positions of power in the NFL of owning a team are the deceased uh, members of former husbands where or who are you know widows of husbands who purchased the team at some point and so in this class action lawsuit, Brian Flores is looking to establish, well, and his lawyers are looking to establish a class that is being discriminated against and then get some sort of compensation from the NFL as a result. And hopefully it will institute change so that more black coaches, Afro-Latino coaches, Latino coaches, women, black women, and, and my, people who are not straight white men can be put in positions of power in the NFL This is what Brian Flores is willing to sacrifice as an effort to make change. And so Flores is pointing the finger at white people. Because, like I said a second ago, white men hold all but two ownership roles in the NFL. In the history of the NFL, all but two times have owners not been white men. Or the the widows of white men who originally purchased the team. 93% of general manager and president of football operation roles in the NFL are held by white men. The coaching jobs in the NFL right now are held by all white men and Mike Tomlin. And so the NFL power structures are all held by white men. And this is a case in all sports and all arenas of life. If you want to go, this is where sports end up reflecting society is who is in positions of power at Apple? Who is in positions of power at IBM? Who's in positions of power on Wall Street? Who's in positions of power in the highest branches of government in America? These are all sports being a microcosm of society. And the way that this is going to change is by having people in power who are not white and not men. This is where white power perpetuates across hundreds of years, and this is ultimately the thing that we figured out across two years now, at least for myself, in in the character growth and being okay about talking about white privilege and white power and how society is set up in such a way that prevents anyone who is not already in the group that is in power from having any real path to attaining real legitimate power with a few phenomenal exceptions. Only in phenomenal exceptions do you have people assuming positions of power who are not already in groups that assume power, whether that's white, straight, male, cisgender, 
uh, religiously powerful and control labor markets. So the the, the prolet, uh, sorry, the bourgeoisie end up controlling that d- controlling the real power in America. And so you can see token changes along the way, and only through athletic greatness do you see black and Afro Latino and Latino members of the NFL actually assume a level of power in the sport. And so this is a interesting part of all of this, which is white people remaining silent on this issue is a massive part of the problem. And if you want to take it a step further, not only willingness to be silent, but willingness to sacrifice in order to put yourself in, to in order to make the change that Brian Flores is talking about. In order to make that change, white people have to be willing to sacrifice and not just be an ally because the people in positions of power are not going to give up the power. We have seen this across 250 years of American history and thousands of years of world history is that once you give people a position of power, they are not going to relinquish it without a fight. In America, the real power structures still remain white to this day. All of the power structures are held by white, overwhelmingly men. It is not the job of the Afro-Latino coach and the black coaches who are going to stand behind Brian Flores and the black players who are going to be voices on this. Michael Thomas talked about how Brian Flores is going to change the world. It is not the job of these people to throw their own careers away in the spirit of change. It is the people in positions of power willing to sacrifice their power, maybe not their specifically, but as a structural idea, come together and willingness to hire people who don't act, look, and think like them. Because ultimately, I, I, I heard Howard Bryant talk about this in the post game, or not the post game, the post Brian Flores news, which is the ultimate first goal is control. Whether this is in sports, whether this is in government, whether this is in the heights of business, in any position of power, especially people who are coming from the establishment, the first goal is control. Control wages, control your labor, control who gets to come into power and the means by which people end up attaining power. And this is an effort to maintain the white power structures that are already in place. And so Brian Flores, who has overcome the odds of not playing in the NFL, getting hired by the Patriots, and ultimately becoming a coach that gets one chance in the NFL, fired when he could not have done any better than he could before, and then becomes the token interview guy. And also the job that he does take in his first year, he's being paid by, or he's being asked to be paid by his owner to lose games intentionally, which will then be used as a smear campaign to talk about why your record was bad when you get fired, which is what people did when they said, well, Brian Flores had a losing record as Dolphins coach. Yeah, a lot of coaches have losing records. Brian Flores inherited a shit situation. But this is all about more the white power structures in America. Colin Kaepernick should not have to throw away his career because he got gobbled up by the machine, because he dared push back against the white power structure. Because the white power structure, under an ideal system, needs to be willing and open to change. Now, that's obviously, you know, an idealistic version of the world. And practically, 
it does not happen. This is why we talk about the summer of George Floyd. We talk about post-insurrection in America, how we're going to begin to make legitimate change, how we're putting pressure on people with power to make legitimate change. And ultimately, as long as the people in power are willing to absorb shame, people are not going to press them on it, and not enough money is going to press them on it enough to actually make legitimate change. If commerce pushes in one direction, you're going to see change. If it doesn't push in that direction... You can see people go back to supporting the candidates who supported the insurrection because ultimately corporations remain in the middle. And it's all a matter of what you can get away with. In the NFL, they happen to have white power. And in America, we have enabled white power because we're not willing to put pressure on the largest levels possible. Like one person with a podcast of 150 people can't change the world but in an idealistic version you could get billions of dollars of backing to be able to formulate and instigate change and the best way that the common person can do it in a world where you know the bottom 50 percent of the population or sorry the bottom 90 percent of the population holds only 40 percent of the wealth is you putting pressure on corporations and you putting pressure on the bit on your dollars to push people to the change that you are talking about but again this is a really complex situation because it is impossible to not be hypocritical in a capitalist society we all have iphones or androids we all have smartphones that are produced by companies exploiting slave labor in china We all like getting cheap things from Amazon when they exploit slave labor and don't pay their workers enough because they have the leverage to do so. People really like Amazon. And these are large-scale examples, but this works with the NFL as well. When the NFL had minority owners, I mean, less minority owners is not great in this context. When the owners who didn't control 50% of the Washington racial slurs put pressure on Dan Snyder to change the team name or they would and, and tried to buy Dan Snyder's shares, but Dan Snyder was not going to sell the team unless he got an ultimatum from the NFL, which the NFL is not going to do that because owners are petrified of having consequences to their actions. All they got as a compromise was a public-facing name change to the Washington Commanders or whatever the hell they're going to call it today. Yeah, I'm still going to call them the Washington racial slurs. As long as Dan Snyder owns the team, they are still the Washington racial slurs. I'm going to try my best to continue calling them the Washington racial slurs and explain that to people as long as they continue to hold. Dan Snyder continues to hold power with the team. It's a small gesture, but it's better than going with the flow. And, you know, no pun intended there with Flores, but at the same time, when the corporate backing ended up instigating some level of change. You know, it wasn't great change. It was just a small level of change. You saw that the NFL folded and the NFL began to change. And in the aftermath of Colin Kaepernick, the NFL stood their ground. At the time, Donald Trump's presidency petrified the NFL from taking a stand in favor of Colin Kaepernick. And they ended up getting him out of the league and getting Eric Reid out of the league. And they got swallowed up by a machine that is billions of dollars meant to perpetuate whoever is in power staying in power, which in this case is white power. In order to perpetuate white power and keep and maintain control, the NFL got Colin Kaepernick out of there, quietly settled with a non-disclosure agreement with him and Eric Reed, 
and they were gone, and that was the end of their time. And so Brian Flores is now going to have the public support, and it still won't matter because Brian Flores fully acknowledges that he's putting his career on the line. Because when he points that finger at people, uh, I'm sorry, when he points that finger at white people, Brian Flores is kind of expecting that people aren't going to follow behind him. Black people are going to follow behind him. But in this situation, black people don't have power. When you're going uh, the same way Colin Kaepernick did not have power. Colin Kaepernick had the, the players backing him and public perception backing him to a certain extent, even though the larger public was not backing him. But you don't have allies in the room because it's all white people in positions of power with the Washington football team, with the uh, with every ownership group. The Washington football team does have a black uh, president, but there have been you know some points about how this man is a very has traditionally white values, shall we say? You know, kind of in the way Herman Cain was a voice for black conservatism, kind of in that same respect. But you still have everyone in positions of power, white, straight men in overwhelmingly religious in positions of power black people do not have the power in this situation and because of that brian flores is probably going to get swallowed by the machine and not coach anymore but history will stand behind brian flores because brian flores is doing right brian flores is going to be on the right side of history. The history might get whitewashed in textbooks, and white people may never learn about it, but Brian Flores is on the right side of history. And that, fully acknowledging that he is probably not going to get his job, or is not going to get a job in the NFL, that his coaching career is going to be over, and Brian Flores is going to stand on this principle even though Brian Flores should not be the person having to throw his career away. And this is the thing I was talking about a little before, before the sidetrack. Colin Kaepernick should not have to throw his career away to stand for this. But because you're fighting white power, and white power is the most powerful entity in America, you will get swallowed up by the system because not even public support is good enough to help you out. You need financial support and public support. And financial support has a huge investment in maintaining and upholding white power. The people who have real power and real money are invested in keeping and maintaining white power. And so, in this case, you're going to see Brian Flores and end in a similar situation to Colin Kaepernick, except with more beneficial public perception, because people recognize more so before that they're not afraid to speak out against the Colin Kaepernick situation. And, by the way, this is not going to be something that is so politically charged that it becomes a rallying cry for an entire presidential campaign. It's not going to get hijacked in the propaganda machine the way Colin Kaepernick and LeBron James get hijacked, where people don't know why they're angry at LeBron James. But, you know, LeBron James is a communist now. And Colin Kaepernick is an anti-American piece of shit. No one knows why, but Propaganda Machine tells you that's the case, so now those two are true, that LeBron James is a communist traitor of America. (laughs) Which is, I I laugh as I say it, because it's it's kind of, it's, LeBron James is closer to white power than he is to a communist leader. LeBron James 
has sat out on issues that don't concern black people in America. Like LeBron James has had a lot of missteps there. He's not actually as progressive as one can be in that position. But the point is, that's a sidetracking there. Brian Flores and Colin Kaepernick should not have to throw their careers away in this way. But white power isn't going to break off and stand behind them because you're not going to get enough people to stand behind Brian Flores, especially in the NFL circles. You can get temporary change if you continue to apply financial pressure on the NFL, but it's really hard to do that, and it's not rewarding in the short term. It's only rewarding over the long run. But this is the thing is that it continue because we're not putting that pressure on all the time, it keeps getting passed on to generation after generation after generation. Where in 1990, the NFL had three black coaches. In 2003, the NFL had two black coaches when they instituted the Rooney Rule. And now they have one. It just keeps getting passed on from generation to generation to generation because you're not willing, or because the money isn't there, because financially there is not enough there to fight white power. And there's not going to be enough to fight white power because this story is not big enough to fight white power. And politically, the propaganda machine is so strong in maintaining white power that sometimes it's impossible to figure out what to believe and what not to believe. This is what happens in the Colin Kaepernick's... And also, this is what happens when countries overthrow democracy and overthrow governments is, you know, the the, the Hitler playbook is that you create so much confusion that all of a sudden the only power is the authoritarian leader. The leader is the one true power. The leader has total... In chaos, the leader can choose to do whatever you want. And this is happening with Vladimir Putin. And this is happening with with full governments. This is also happening in the NFL, is that if you create enough confusion within your corporation, you can maintain power because you're in the shadows, you can operate, and there is no truth to your white power. And so even if this is giving just vocal support from white people and not players in this situation, like white people with legitimate positions of power, which is not going to happen because the NFL is going to be united in this lawsuit. But if you get people with legitimate power, speaking that truth to power, you're going to see a small step. The next step is willing sacrifice is, you know, Greg Popovich saying, I'm not going to hire white candidates. I'm going to try and empower black coaching candidates and women in my coaching staff. Or uh, Muffet McGraw with Notre Dame saying, I will only hire women. I can't remember if Muffet McGraw was women assistants or hiring male assistants because you like the idea of a a woman being in a position of power. And all of this is complex and difficult. And if there were easy answers, we would have solved it decades ago. I don't think this Brian Flores situation is going to create meaningful change tomorrow, but similarly to Colin Kaepernick, as the years go on, the denigration of Colin Kaepernick and the praise of Colin Kaepernick moves in the opposite directions. Denigration goes down as we start to see all of the racist tropes in America, all the racism laid bare, all the misogyny, all the homophobia laid bare. And Colin Kaepernick, who gets blackballed from the sport, ends up having a rise in popularity. As just a man, but someone who is going to be in history textbooks for the rest of time. 
Colin Kaepernick, someone who is going to change the world in a, not just a small way, like in a meaningfully impactful way. And maybe it's not going to take down white power, but it is advancing a cause for a generation. And Brian, Flor- Brian Flores is going to do that in some respect. But when he points the finger at white people and says white people need to be better, which is not exactly what he's saying, but when he says that people, uh, again, to read it again, uh, his hope is that by standing, quote, standing up against systemic racism in the NFL, others will join me to ensure that positive change is made for generations to come. When Brian Flores says that, he is hoping that people in the white power structure will also stand behind him because that is the way that this is going to make the most impact. And if people, if just black players stand behind him and Mike Tomlin stands behind him, it's not going to be the change that I would argue is worth Brian Flores having to throw his career away. Maybe it's value to Brian Flores and he's calculating this in his decision to file the lawsuit, but if he's going to just get financial compensation and a chance to rewrite history ever so slightly, and he gets people in the white power system to stand behind him, be willing to sacrifice on his behalf, that's going to make some of the change that Brian Flores is taught is is you know that has been deferred for hundreds of years, not just in the NFL now, who's now in its second century, but across America and white power structures. I don't know how that's going to go. If history is any reflection, Brian Flores is probably not go is going to get swallowed by the machine. The white power structure is going to swallow Brian Flores. Maybe they get a financial compensation but it doesn't look like it's going to actually instigate real, long-lasting, meaningful change. Because if Colin Kaepernick couldn't do that to a certain extent, even though Colin Kaepernick creates great change that ends up inspiring other people to carry the torch for him, his sacrifice inspires others to carry his cause and carry his torch as he breaks down the wall and Brian Flores breaks the wall down a little bit more, making it easier for people to follow that meaningful, long-lasting change is going to be worth possibly whatever the, the sacrifice is, which in the case of Brian Flores, the thing you've been working for since you were 20 years old. And in the case of Colin Kaepernick, the thing you spent the entire first 30 years of your life building up towards. And I think that sacrifice is worth it if you put it in that context. But I'm a white man sitting in California trying to talk about complex issues of race and doesn't really have an opportunity to willingly sacrifice because he doesn't actually hold any real positions of power. But if I get the opportunity, I would absolutely be willing to sacrifice. And I would be, again, it's cliche to say, I would be standing behind Brian Flores tomorrow as an ally. And if Brian Flores asked me to willingly sacrifice, I would stand behind him because that's a person I would want to lead. It might be a cause that is naive to think you can take down the system. Maybe that's not even what Brian Flores is doing. Maybe Brian Flores is just carrying the baton that Colin Kaepernick helped to start and civil rights leaders of the 1960s helped to carry for a different generation. Maybe Brian Flores is picking up the torch and carrying it a little bit farther so that when he can't carry the torch anymore... Someone else will pick up the torch and carry it a little bit farther. And you just keep advancing and advancing and advancing ever so slightly to just try and gnaw at the white power structure. 
Did y'all know that the greatest quarterback of all time is not just a goat on the field. He's a goat when it comes to investing. He invests in stocks and crypto and even art with Masterworks. Masterworks is the investing platform that lets you buy shares in art from icons like Picasso, Monet, and Warhol. And when that art sells, you get return on investments as high as 30%. If you want to get priority access with Masterworks today, go to masterworks.art slash believe. Masterworks.art slash believe to start investing in stocks and cryptocurrency and shares in artwork today. You can invest like the goat with Masterworks. See important disclosures at masterworks.com slash disclaimer. I wanted to touch on a few things specifically from the Brian Flores story as we talk about the macro conversations about white power and changing the dynamics in America that probably won't happen. And, you know, only we can choose to do what we can on our smallest level of influence because, again, you know, one million people could donate four million to a cause and then Mark Cuban can sign a check for five million and it totally outnumbers a million people's efforts uh, based on reasonably what they can afford. It's just, you know, the, the, there's different, again, I talked about it a second ago, 90% of America owns like 40% of the wealth and so... 90% of America can only make so much of a dent in the big picture if they all unify together around the same cause. And we definitely don't unify together around the same causes. But one of the things that I find interesting with this Brian Flores situation is I've known for years that the Rooney Rule is a sham. And the Rooney Rule is just a, a, a box that people have to check to go through the hiring process. And often it doesn't get taken seriously. Seeing the evidence in the lawsuit that came out today actually helped me. It was quite enlightening, I think, is the way I want to phrase it. It was enlightening to to see how the Rooney Rule actually ends up getting overrided and how Jim Caldwell talked about how he stopped taking interviews. And I forgot there's a baseball manager who for years was seen as the diversity hire and the diversity person, the diversity candidate everyone would interview because there's a list of candidates you need to check off if you want to hire a white coach, but you need to oblige by the Rooney rule and the Bud Selig rule is baseball's version of that. There's a list of candidates you can call up and interview in sham interviews where, you know, Joe Ellis of the Bronco, uh, Joe Ellis and John Elway of the Broncos are showing up drunk to Brian Flores's interview and you know they've denied the allegation and it's not journalistically credible but we'll see if that ends up getting changed in the lawsuit the point there is the Denver Broncos and other teams that skip out on the Rooney rule because they know exactly who they want to hire those people are the ones maintaining and upholding the power structures. And it was really fascinating to see how getting around the Rooney rule was done. It was quite enlightening for myself as a white man who hasn't gone through this type of process where he's barred employment because I have an absolute amount of white privilege in this situation. I have not experienced this. And so it was really enlightening to see when I, I had always taken it at face value because I believe black people when they say we are being discriminated against in job searches because people want to hire white people in positions of power. I'm like, yes, that seems reasonable. I trust that this is happening and your complaints are valid. 
So I've been an ally on this issue, but it was really enlightening to see details of people showing up, uh, you know, Broncos brass showing up drunk to their Brian Flores interview, to see Stephen Ross being willing to pay $100,000 for the Bill Belichick tweet, or the Bill Belichick texts, which basically suggest on Tuesday of last week, Belichick congratulated Flores on getting the job and Flores is like well yeah I interview later this week so I'm hoping it goes that way and Belichick's like from Buffalo in New York it seems like it's going your way and he realized that he meant to send it to Brian Dayball instead of Brian Flores and so before Flores had even interviewed with the Giants it was already a guarantee that Dayball was going to get the job and again it's a a white man from buffalo hired by the new york giants by wellington mara's son who doesn't like taunting because it's you know bad for the game when black people taunt each other and he's the person who implemented the taunting rule you know white guy third generation owner in the nfl hires a white general manager to run his team who then hires a white head coach process we've seen over and over again you need to abide by the Rooney rule check off a box you go through all the white candidates or you go through all the black candidates that are on a list and the fact that Flores got that information probably has something to do with the filing of the lawsuit considering that Brian Flores on that day ends up filing a lawsuit a week later and that text exchange with Belichick is on the first page of the deposition. The first page of his lawsuit is includes the Bill Belichick tweet and talks about the statistics of minority candidates being hired to positions of power. All of this stuff ends up being on the forefront of that page. And so for myself, it was really quite enlightening. I know I'm behind the curve on this because I have white privilege. I'm not experiencing this firsthand of not being hired for a role that I'm qualified for because it's not a meritocracy. We don't have to pretend that any of these jobs are meritocracy in sport. I am as good as people in positions of ability to make millions of dollars doing this podcast thing. I am as good as those people. Doesn't matter. I just don't have a following that I can monetize to make a living on. Part of that is myself not building the platform myself to how to take the steps forward. Part of it is just I've only been doing this for three years. But, you know, at a certain point thousand hours i'm as good as many people doing this for a modest living in fact better than a lot of people doing this in that position of power doesn't matter it's not a meritocracy and hiring is not a meritocracy when you are talking about foundational structures of america whether that's corp billion dollar corporations like the nfl trillion dollar corporations like apple or, you know, IBM, or, you know, any major co- Wall Street, you can talk to any corporation, anyone with real legitimate power in America, you know, over 95 plus percent, enough that they dictate all of the rules and all of the power structures. When you're talking about that, you people tend to hire people that are safe, people that are going to maintain and uphold the white power structure, in this case, white power structure, but people willing to maintain the power structure, you hire people that think, act, and talk like you as a way to maintain the power structure. And so a white candidate from the Buffalo Bills who have a white general manager and a white head coach and an owner who has given millions of dollars to the Trump campaign, those guys end up hiring white candidates that maintain the same power structure who then also hire white candidates immediately afterwards. This is not a full-blown guarantee. There are examples of this, 
but you don't have any women in legitimate positions of power in the NFL. You don't have any Asians in legitimate positions of power in the NFL. Afro-Latino coach Brian Flores was the only one. You don't see Latino people in positions of power in the NFL because you barely see black people in positions of power in the NFL. And these are the people in a sport that is in in an industry where the players are 70 to 80% black. And so it's, you know, if, if being a player is part of the path to employment, how do you find a sport that has 95% of the owners are in positions of power who are white, you have 93% of presidents and general managers, and 97% of your head coaches? How does that end up happening? Because on a base level, the power structures in America have not gotten to those places yet. 50 years ago, 60 years ago, NFL started integrating players, and now it's a sport where 70 to 80% integration is complete in the NFL. It took half a century, but integration is complete in the NFL and in the NBA and to a certain extent in Major League Baseball, although Major League Baseball is more of a preppier sport. Global soccer, same thing. In America, it's moving the other direction, but fully integrated sport. When you're talking about the people in positions of power, there has been no truth to power being spoken. There has been no accountability. There's better standards than it was 20 years ago, slightly better than it was 50 years ago. But 100 years ago, you had more black people in Congress in America than there have been in the 100 years since. In the period post-Reconstruction from 1870 to 1900, you had more black people in positions of power in America than you had for the next 120 years since. And part of this is the rise of white supremacy and the Ku Klux Klan and all of this stuff that is more history-driven than this weird little sports argument. This is a longer conversation we can talk about, how the Ku Klux Klan institutes fear and voter suppression laws in the 1890s and 1900s. You all of a sudden have the last black congressman for 60 years in 1900 and then through 1960 you don't see another black congressman until you see the token black congressman of the last 50 plus years in the highest powers of american government not able to speak to the power because you still have 60 70 80 90 percent of people in positions of power being white men and so All of this is a larger scale conversation of what is exactly happening in the NFL because sports reflect society. And I know I said I wanted to talk about the the micro stuff instead of the macro stuff, but this brings it back to the NFL, which is the New York Giants are a microcosm of this situation. And the Giants are going to probably get hit with stringent punishments as the NFL tries to make a public relations example out of the Giants. They scapegoat the Giants football team, and that's a way to you know look like our public relations are working well in this situation and so the nfl similarly to how the mlb punished the astros for cheating because people were upset about it even though i've talked before eight months before the ken rosenthal story with mike fires on the record we knew the astros cheated jeff passan reported it nobody gave a shit like we only gave a shit because it was a massive story with Mike Fires putting his name behind it, and the media machine was willing to pick up the story. And the media machine is willing to pick up this Brian Flores story because it is massive. Brian Flores is go. I mean, this is one of conversation larger than sports. Like, this is a story that hopefully leads NBC, CBS, CNN, Fox News to a certain extent, but that's more propaganda than anything else. But it should be a story that leads all of these news networks 
going forward for the next week or so overriding the Super Bowl. I hope this story overrides the Super Bowl because if you can knock out the Super Bowl media machine, maybe it'll institute some small level of change. If the dollars don't end up affecting it, it's not going to change the white power structure. But maybe, just maybe, it can change the situation a little bit more and push the cause a little further that Brian Flores is willing to sacrifice his job for. Maybe we can carry the torch a little bit farther for Brian Flores as he sacrifices his job to try and carry the torch. And if nobody ends up uh, giving a a microphone, a megaphone to this story, it's not going to end up doing the kind of benefit that Flores is hoping it will. But all of this was fascinating for me to learn from that place because the Giants are going to be a microcosm of this story. Bill Belichick is going to be a microcosm for this story because he happened to be the unfortunate coach that sent the text that is end up going ending up going to be used in the deposition. Possibly Joe Ellis of the Broncos and John Elway are going to end up getting a punishment out of this because it's the details that are more incredible. And you know who else is going to get in trouble for this? Stephen Ross. Stephen Ross and the Miami Dolphins are going to get screwed in this situation. The Giants are going to get screwed. Maybe Bill Belichick does. But I don't think Bill Belichick's legally culpable in any of this. It's just more of a public relations hit for Belichick within the NFL circles. Joe Ellis and John Elway might survive it. The Giants will probably not as a public relations move. And Stephen Ross and the Dolphins are going to suffer some level of punishment. That's not actually punishment. It's not actually removing any of the power. It's more just a glossy public relations of... We're going to fine a billionaire a lot of money. We're going to give them a ticket. We're going to give them a ticket because people are going to find that acceptable. The same way that uh, Dan Snyder runs workplace misconduct for 10 years and may or may not have sexually assaulted a female employee while on a team plane. $10 million fine for a man who's worth $2.8 billion, which is the equivalent of someone making $60,000 a year getting a ticket the equivalent of $7. $7. And this is the slap on the wrist that you're going to get from the NFL. And Dan Snyder still wanted the NFL teams to pay out part of his fine. They wouldn't do it. And Dan Snyder ends up being a pariah within the NFL circles, but damn it if he ain't going to keep his team because none of the owners want to give him the responsibility because none of them want the responsibility to fall on them if the same situation plagues their organization or if they're doing anything that they want to avoid consequences for. And Stephen Ross is going to get small consequences as a result of this. What's fascinating as a thought experiment is... Stephen Ross was getting crushed for firing Brian Flores. And so they went on a smear campaign of Brian Flores. They smeared Brian Flores. Talking about, he's an angry coach. He wouldn't talk to his coordinators. He wanted never committed to Tua. All of that stuff that ends up smearing his name as angry black guy with some racist stuff in there. Like racial undertones around all of this. Sometimes not even dog whistling. And... What ends up happening with Brian Flores is the smear campaign happens. He stays quiet. People don't end up, you know, backing off of Brian Flores. He stays quiet. He's regarded as one of the top candidates for these next coaching jobs. Still quiet. And Brian Flores, once he knows he's not going to get the job and the Belichick tweets or and the Belichick texts come in and he starts conversing with lawyers, 
that's when Brian Flores decides I'm will this this is the time, right? This is when the the volume is at its highest. I'm going to sue the NFL in the middle of Super Bowl week. I'm going to hijack the Super Bowl wagon, hopefully. Hopefully, I'm going to hijack the Super Bowl wagon and create some monicum level of change. Might just be cultural change. Might just be something that we'll talk about in the history books that maybe years and years down the road, someone else will carry the torch for Brian Brian Flores the same way Colin Kaepernick made it easier for Brian Flores to carry the torch now of fighting systemic racism and fighting injustice in this small little arena that Brian Flores inhabits. Carry the torch just a little bit further in trying to fight this big giant issue of systemic racism which is never going to be fixed you cannot fix systemic racism even the most optimistic idealized situation you cannot fix systemic racism without having people in positions of power not want to maintain that power there is no way if i snapped my fingers and said fix systemic racism there there's no clear-cut definition of how to do that and so because this is a cause that needs to be advanced, it's an infinite cause. There is no end game. There is no victory over systemic racism. You have to pick up the torch and carry it just a little bit further. And that's what Brian Flores is doing. And maybe decades down the road, someone else will pick up the torch and carry it for Flores. The same thing happened with Kaepernick, right? Kaepernick carried the torch to make it easy and broke down the wall a little bit. He ran into the wall until he couldn't go anymore. And now years down the road, Brian Flores is going to try and knock down the wall a little bit more just in this small arena. In this small little arena of sports that has a large perspective because it's something that culturally matters in the or matters in America and extends to all of these. Again, it's a mirror for society. So it allows us to learn all these lessons about the world we inhabit as a whole with that level of power and a microphone that maybe will help hijack the biggest week of the NFL's year. Hopefully we spend all of next week talking about the Brian Flores situation instead of the game. I know it's not going to happen, but I really hope that we do. And I'm going to do my best to try to, on this little podcast here, the best we can, talk about the Brian Flores situation as much as possible because it's a big deal. And I know that we only have 150 people listening, and I love the 150 of you that stop in. But I just want to do it not because it matters and not because my decisions matter, but because it's just a small little thing that I can do. And if I operate under the ideal, maybe, just maybe, I can carry the torch a little bit further. It, It might just be myself. It might be myself being an ally and willing to sacrifice on behalf of the noble cause Brian Flores is there. Because if I had a real position of power... I'd be standing behind Brian Flores on this. I'd like to think that I'd be willing to sacrifice in a situation like that. I can't say that about myself with a guarantee, and I definitely can't say it about other people, but I'd like to think that I'd be a person who would stand behind Brian Flores, and not just as an ally, willing to sacrifice. Maybe not willing to sacrifice everything, but willing to sacrifice something to benefit Brian Flores. And I'm not trying to put this myself up as this amazing person. That's not what this is at all. I just like to think that this is a noble cause and a cause that I would be willing to follow Brian Flores behind if given the situation to. And maybe my small little way of doing that is by dedicating a week to talking about this or 
three podcasts to talking about this instead of talking about other pressing issues, whether it be gender issues, um, whether it be talking about whether Jimmy Garoppolo is going to get traded or Jim Harbaugh going to the Vikings or how screwed the Miami Dolphins as an organization are or how many passing yards Matthew Stafford is going to have with a bum shoulder in the Super Bowl. Maybe that's a small little point that's important to talk about because the timing of this, but it's also an issue that's going to be dragged out over months and months, and hopefully we continue to talk about it in some way, shape, or form. It was quite informative to see that situation. Stephen Ross is going to take it, and this becomes a fight of Stephen Ross versus Brian Flores, and you know what? Hell of a move by Brian Flores to try and put pressure on the power system. Now, now you've tried to start a fight with the bully, and maybe the bully's going to end up, you know, with all the resources in the world, try and destroy you and eat you up in the white power system. Maybe that's what happens when you fight the bully, but commend him for being willing to do it. And I would stand behind him because he is a he is fighting a noble cause. Brian Flores is fighting a noble cause, and regardless of how much he can carry the torch of fighting systemic racism, because he's already done a step. It might be a small step, worth sacrificing his career over, depends on who you ask. But he's already made an important step with what he's done, even just culturally. He is carrying the torch that Colin Kaepernick helped carry before, that Eric Reed helped carry before. He's carrying that torch a little bit further. Maybe the torch moves backwards every now and then, you know, maybe we end up having regressions and we go into worse places than we were before. Again, results-based. It is harder today to be an NFL, a black NFL head coach or a non-white NFL head coach than it was 40 years ago, 30 years ago, 20 years ago. It has technically never been harder post-integration. It is literally as bad as it was when black people were literally banned from, like explicitly banned from entering the sport. There is only one black head coach in the NFL, three or four black general managers running teams, and no uh, only two non-white owner, non-white owners in the NFL. Essentially again, 90 95% of owners, 93% of general managers and presidents, and 97% of coaches. It is a white power system still in place the same way it was 100 years ago. Same way it was 80 years ago. Same way it was 60 years ago. We have the history to show for it. It's all been laid bare. And I like to think that Brian Flores is fighting a noble cause that if I had a position to do so, I would follow behind him. So in the little way that I can, Brian Flores, I hope I can carry the torch for you as well because you are a tremendous leader and you are fighting a noble cause and hopefully history will reflect this in a positive light for you and doesn't get whitewashed. But I will carry the torch for you as you carry the torch of fighting systemic racism. It's an infinite cause. I hope others will carry the torch. I hope other white people will carry the torch along with you in fighting the white power structure because you shouldn't have to give up your job in order to fight this cause. So with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for stopping in here to the Take It Easy podcast. Uh, We are going to have more episodes coming up all throughout the week. We'll see what we end up talking about. We'll bring this up with our friends, of course. Talk about other things, of course, because this could be, like we talked about with Henry Ruggs, I'm not going to pretend like this is more noble a cause than 
many others. We have decided that this is something we want to care about now, but next week we might not care about it the same way. Brian Flores is betting his job on how much we end up caring about this, but this happens all the time. There are a lot of causes out here in the world. There's a lot of fucked up shit in the world. That's kind of the baseline of that. Apologies for the cursing. It's a lot of fucked up shit, and that's just kind of how this thing ends up working out sometimes. So, With that being said, ladies and gentlemen, the world is terrible, and also there's a lot of truth, there's a lot of power structures that need to be broken down. The world sucks. Uh, Take it easy, everybody. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. Tell me you haven't heard this before. You're sitting in your favorite restaurant, coffee shop. Maybe you're sitting in an airport because your flight's been delayed for an extra hour and a half. You want to use your phone and you want to use your computer, but you're afraid of that public Wi-Fi because you've heard all the stories. Maybe it's happened to you where your data gets hacked, your information's out there on the dark web. It's it's scary. It happened to me uh, last year, actually. If you want to protect yourself nowadays, it's really important that you get security. And NordVPN has a deal for you today. If you go to nordvpn.com slash believe and use our code B-L-E-A-V, you can get 70% off a protection plan with NordVPN for two years with an additional month for free. With a 30-day money-back guaranteed, you are also risk-free if you don't want the service. Sign up today at nordvpn.com slash believe.